Section 90 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J.C. Ryle Chapter 27, Verses 1-10 to 10. The End of Judas Iscariot This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Matthew chapter 27, Verses 1-10 to 10. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away, and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces, and said, It is not lawful for us to put them in the treasury, because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel, and bought with them the potter's field, to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood, unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. The opening of this chapter describes the delivery of our Lord Jesus Christ into the hands of the Gentiles. The chief priests and elders of the Jews led him away to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. We may see in this incident the finger of God, it was ordered by his providence that Gentiles, as well as Jews, should be concerned in the murder of Christ. It was ordered by his providence that the priests should publicly confess that the scepter had departed from Judah. They were unable to put any one to death without going to the Romans. The words of Jacob were therefore fulfilled. The Messiah, Shiloh, had indeed come. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. The subject that principally occupies the verses we have read is the melancholy end of the false apostle, Judas Iscariot. It is a subject full of instruction. Let us mark well what it contains. We see in the end of Judas a plain proof of our Lord's innocence of every charge laid against him. If there was any living witness who could give evidence against our Lord Jesus Christ, Judas Iscariot was the man. A chosen apostle of Jesus, a constant companion in all his journeyings, a hearer of all his teaching, both in public and private. He must have known well if our Lord had done any wrong, either in word or deed. A deserter from our Lord's company, a betrayer of him into the hands of his enemies, it was his interest for his own character's sake to prove Jesus guilty. It would extenuate and excuse his own conduct, if he could make out that his former master was an offender and an impostor. Why then did not Judas Iscariot come forward? Why did he not stand forth before the Jewish council and specify his charges, if he had any to make? Why did he not venture to accompany the chief priests to Pilate, and prove to the Romans that Jesus was a malefactor? There is but one answer to these questions. Judas did not come forward as a witness because his conscience would not let him. Bad as he was, 
he knew that he could prove nothing against Christ. Wicked as he was, he knew well that his master was holy, harmless, innocent, blameless, and true. Let this never be forgotten. The absence of Judas Iscariot at our Lord's trial is one among many proofs that the Lamb of God was without blemish, a sinless man. We see for another thing, in the end of Judas, that there is such a thing as repentance which is too late. We are told plainly that Judas repented himself. We are even told that he went to the priests and said, I have sinned. And yet it is clear that he did not repent unto salvation. This is a point which deserves special attention. It is a common saying that it is never too late to repent. The saying, no doubt, is true, if repentance be true, but unhappily late repentance is often not genuine. It is possible for a man to feel his sins and be sorry for them, to be under strong convictions of guilt and express deep remorse, to be pricked in conscience and exhibit much distress of mind, and yet, for all this, not repent with his heart. Present danger, or the fear of death, may account for all his feelings, and the Holy Ghost may have done no work whatever in his soul. Let us beware of trusting to a late repentance. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. One penitent thief was saved in the hour of death, that no man might despair, but only one, that no man might presume. Let us put off nothing that concerns our souls, and above all not put off repentance, under the vain idea that it is a thing in our own power. The words of Solomon on this subject are fearful. He speaks of men who shall call upon God, but he will not answer, who shall seek him early, and not find him. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 28 Let us see, for another thing, in the end of Judas, how little comfort ungodliness brings a man at the last. We are told that he cast down the thirty pieces of silver for which he had sold his master in the temple and went away in bitterness of soul. That money was dearly earned. It brought him no pleasure, even when he had it. Footnote. It is a great and undeniable difficulty that the words quoted as having been used by Jeremy the prophet are not to be found in any writings of Jeremiah that we possess, and that they are found in the prophet Zacharias. The following solutions of the difficulty have been suggested. 1. Some think that the prophecy quoted by Matthew was really delivered by Jeremiah, though not written, and only handed down and recorded by Zechariah. In favor of this view, we must remember that we have a saying of our Lord's at Acts chapter 20 verse 35, which is not recorded in the Gospels, and a prophecy of Enoch's in Jude, Jude verse 14. 2. Some think that the name of Jeremiah was applied by the Jews to all that portion of the Old Testament scripture containing prophecies, and that Matthew did not really mean that Jeremy had delivered the prophecy. This is the view of Lightfoot. 3. Some think that Matthew originally wrote the words, the prophet, without quoting the name of any one in particular, and that the word Jeremy was inserted by an ignorant transcriber. In favor of this view, it is fair to say that the Syriac version, one of the oldest extant, simply says, the prophet, and omits Jeremy's name. The Persian version also omits it. 4. Some think that Matthew originally wrote the words, Zechariah the prophet, 
and that some ignorant transcriber changed the word into Jeremiah. In favor of this view, it must be remembered that in manuscripts names were often written short, and that I-O-U and Z-O-U are not very unlike. I offer no opinion on these solutions of the difficulty. A question of this sort, which has puzzled so many interpreters, is not likely to be settled at this period of the world. One solution of the difficulty I only mention in order to enter my protest against it. The solution was propounded by Augustine, and is adopted by many modern divines. It is simply this, that Matthew forgot what he was doing and made a blunder. He quoted from memory, and inaccurately. He meant Zechariah, and not Jeremiah. I can only say that at this rate we must give up the inspiration of Scripture altogether. If writers of the Bible could make blunders like this, we never know where we are in quoting a text. To use such an argument is putting a sword into the hands of Arians and Socinians, which they know well how to use. Once give up the verbal inspiration of Scripture, and we stand on a quicksand. End of footnote. The treasures of wickedness profit nothing. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 2. Sin is, in truth, the hardest of all masters. In its service there is plenty of fair promises, but an utter dearth of performance. Its pleasures are but for a season. Its wages are sorrow, remorse, self-accusation, and too often death. They that sow to the flesh do indeed reap corruption. Are we tempted to commit sin? Let us remember the words of Scripture, Your sin will find you out, and resist the temptation. Let us be sure that sooner or later in this life or in the life to come, in this world or in the judgment day, sin and the sinner will meet face to face. Are we tempted to commit sin? Let us remember the words of Scripture, Your sin will find you out, and resist the temptation. Let us be sure that sooner or later, in this life or in the life to come, in this world or in the judgment day, sin and the sinner will meet face to face and have a bitter reckoning. Let us be sure that of all trades sin is the most unprofitable. Judas, Achan, Gehazi, Ananias, and Sapphira all found it so to their cost. Well might St. Paul say, What fruit had ye in those things whereof you are now ashamed? Romans chapter 6 verse 21 Finally, let us see in the case of Judas to what a miserable end a man may come if he has great privileges and does not use them rightly. We are told that this unhappy man departed and went and hanged himself. What an awful death to die! An apostle of Christ, a former preacher of the gospel, a companion of Peter and John, commits suicide and rushes into God's presence unprepared and unforgiven. Let us never forget that no sinners are so sinful as sinners against light and knowledge. None are so provoking to God. None, if we look at Scripture, have been so often removed from this world by sudden and fearful visitations. Let us remember Lot's wife, Pharaoh, Korah, Dathan, and Abraham, and Saul, king of Israel. They are all cases in point. It is a solemn saying of Bunyan that no one falls so deep into the pit as those who fall backwards. 
It is written in Proverbs, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 1 May we all strive to live up to our light. There is such a thing as sin against the Holy Ghost. Clear knowledge of truth in the head, combined with deliberate love of sin in the heart, go a long way towards it. And now, what is the state of our hearts? Are we ever tempted to rest on our knowledge and profession of religion? Let us remember Judas and beware. Are we disposed to cling to the world and give money a prominent place in our minds? Again, let us remember Judas and beware. Are we trifling with any one sin and flattering ourselves that we may repent by and by? Once more, let us remember Judas and beware. He is set up before us as a beacon. Let us look well at him and not make shipwreck. End of section 90